This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk shit. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast. I'm Rose Sampson Folk, and today a huge guest, Coach Nick from B-Ball Breakdown. You can follow it on YouTube. It's one of the biggest basketball channels out there. He's always putting out informative videos. You know, recently, and for quite some time, he's been showing love to the Toronto Raptors. And I thought, especially with the Raptors about to go in against one of their arch rivals, the Boston Celtics, finally we get that series. I thought I'd bring him on. To, uh, to preview the series a little bit. And since he seems to like the Raptors, I think he can shed some light on some matchup stuff, some scheme stuff. So, Coach Nick, how are you doing, man? Uh, I'm, I'm hanging in there just trying to keep up with uh, all the games that are coming nonstop and start so darn early. But uh, at least there's some, there's some relief. They're going to stop. They're going to not be so early uh, after, I think, t- today. They're going to start at normal times. Yeah, it's definitely been... You know, it's it's a bit of a gift in some ways that we can just kind of wake up and start watching basketball. But also, there it starts early. So if you have anything else to do in a day, you're missing stuff. And especially for people who are trying to juggle a couple different things, you know, it's uh, it's tough to keep it all in balance. But we're here to talk about a series, and I'm going to lead us right in. So the Raptors had a few troublesome performances against the Celtics defense in the half court, oftentimes having their actions stuck above the break. Are you expecting a laborious offensive series for the Raptors, or do you think Lowry and Co. can figure things out fairly often? And by the way, I guess let's assume that Lowry plays game one. And if not, I guess, you know, we'll be a bit wrong on some things, but let's let's go with that. Fair enough. I mean, I always like to err on the side of, yeah, he's going to play. Um, and so offensively, I mean, you know, they looked, it was, it's hard to ascertain whether they're playing well or not from the first series because, you know, I watched a bunch of it, and it was just like the defense from the Nets was just not going to give me any indication. You know what I mean of uh, of how well they really are doing. It wasn't they weren't offering a lot of resistance. So, um, but that said, we, we know with Brad Stevens is he is one of the best at adjustments, and so he knows how to like for instance that they're going to want to feed uh, Marcus All the high post and operate out of that, which they get a lot of great action out of. Uh, you know, guys like Daniel Tice will push up and side front him and make him catch it farther out from the basket. And then that makes everything spread out a little bit farther, a little bit less easy to run. I do. I, I kind of feel like it's just going to be up and down. You know, I think there's the referees are also going to be part of this as far as what's going to be called, because these guys are going to be hyped up. It's going to be aggressive. They're going to be really physical. And so there's going to be an adjustment there probably from game to game of what they're going to allow them to do just because the referees rotate as well. So I would admit, anticipate, you know, some of the games are going to be, you know, that free-flowing and high-scoring, and they're going to get a lot of good stuff, good looks. And I do think that they're going to be balanced with other games that are going to be kind of wonky and, and intense and chippy. Um, you brought up Marcus Saul, and the Nets played a very aggressive brand of defense on him. And it was kind of similar to something we saw in, I think, the third game of the season when the Celtics 
had Grant Williams guard Marcus Gasol with a lot of success earlier on in this year. Do you think that the Celtics might take a page out of the Nets book, even though I know you said there's not much to glean from that series because they don't play great defense? But do you think that they might get really aggressive and try and test Marcus Gasol in that way? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, here's the question because, you know, you could go small, and I know the Celtics go small as it is anyway, and and go and guard Gasol with a much smaller player, only because um, him posting up and trying to attack that matchup necessarily isn't really like um, you know a win for Toronto, okay? Because then other guys aren't getting their touches, uh, and and um, Gasol has shown in the past where he's just never been really that comfortable in that role. He's always looking to pass it. Even when he's down there and he tries to be aggressive a little bit, you can't get more than a possession or two in a row where he does that. It's kind of frustrating to me, in fact. I think he'd be a better player, make his team better, if he if he, if he acted like he was a 25-point-a-game scorer. Uh, so that said, I, I would imagine they're going to probably try and get away with guarding him with smaller and smaller players and try and play him off the court. Um, and so that's what I would probably end up seeing. I mean, Daniel Tice is already – smaller than him as it is so what's the difference between him and uh you know either grant williams or who else is whoever is next um so that's what, probably what they're going to do but i would see the adjustments by uh, stevens more um on like denying passing uh in this certain parts of the floor if that makes sense versus maybe being overly physical or trying to like you know get him involved in that kind of thing so if you're looking at this series and let's say if they're denying the actions on one part of the floor, the passes to one part of the floor. What do you think the first thing the Raptors go to is? In the games you've seen, what is their comfortable spot that they respond to a bad stretch of offense? And do you think that'll have any success against the Celtics? Uh, yeah, I mean, you got to talk pick and roll. So you got to talk about Lowry, ball handling, and then Van Vliet handling. Those two guys, you know, make it, you have two point guards on the floor um, and they can create for themselves or, or teammates. So I would imagine you're going to see that. And then the question is, who's the screener going to be? And they're going to probably run through, you know, uh, a number in the very beginning as, the, as like almost like a prize fight where they're feeling each other out. They're going to try and figure out, okay, which pairing, and that's the best thing about watching the playoffs is that that's what I always look for generally, is what are the pick and roll pairings? Who are they attacking in the pick and roll? And who are they running the ball screens for the ball handler with? Uh, and eventually they get they you know they will fixate on you know a couple different pairings or just one that's really really working well and force the other team to either take the guy out or somehow radically adjust with the zone or uh, there's some other little things you can do defensively to to try and adjust who's defending the ball screener but that's really what it comes down to so you know the head of the snake is going to be uh, Lowry if he's not there it's going to be Van Vliet and they don't lose too much at all with Van Vliet. Um, and then from there, uh, it kind of cascades out, and that's when you get those uh, the open looks for like Ananobi in the corner. Uh, you get Norman Powell, you know, uh, attacking off the catch from the wing on the kickouts, uh, or you get Serge Ibaka running those and popping out for his mid long mid range shots. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting. They have a lot of pieces that they can do. A lot of it's a lot of um, variability there and a lot of versatility. So that's what's exciting. I think that you know. Brad Stevens right now must be going through every permutation trying to figure that out. It's probably driving him crazy. Yeah, I, you will brought up Daniel Tice and saying he was smaller than Marcus All, And I'm sure you've recognized that this year, too, is that he's been very impressive, I thought. And the Celtics as a whole, a very impressive team. If you were looking for those, those two-man, those pairings that the Raptors would either be looking to attack or stay away from, what do you think is the most advantageous for the Raptors against the Celtics? Something to target because they are flush with a lot of good defenders. You know, it's a good question. All right. So who would they attack in the pick and roll? 
Um, well, obviously, when Cantor is out there, he'll, they're going to roast him, or they're going to try. Uh, they're going to bring him out, and they're going to run him to pick and rolls. And remember, like, Tice plays right now in the first round. He played, you know, didn't even play 23 minutes a game. And Cantor played 15. So, I, you know, I almost got to check the um, the lineups because then who else for them is playing any of those center minutes? I guess Grant Williams is getting the, the rest of those minutes. Um, so those are the, obviously the first uh, people that they're going to attack uh, without question um, is, is Tice, Cantor, and then, you know, Williams if he's in there. Um, other than that, and then, then the question is, well, who do you want to stay away from, right? So you don't, you, you know, I, you know, Marcus Smart drives me crazy because uh, he'll do a lot of good plays and then he'll just make boneheaded plays that balance off the good stuff. And, you know, you never know what you're going to get from any possessions to the next. Um, so it's almost like, well, maybe you want to involve him a little bit because he'll fall. He'll, you know, he'll get beat by reaching in. He'll do some things like that and you can get some, some play out of that. Um, so watch for that and see because Nick Nurse gets out of the box. He might actually figure, oh, well, you know, they, they, they're not going to be ready for that because uh, they would never run a pick and roll against Marcus Smart. But the, but that is the other part of it is uh, if they want to get him off of, you know, um, Lowry, for instance, and let Lowry operate a little bit more freely, maybe off a switch, then you'd see them, yeah, they, they would screen Marcus Smart off to get force a switch because that's what the Celtics will do anyway. So that's the other whole other part of this defensive thing is that the switching that the, the Celtics do causes a lot of interesting ways for the Raptors to attack. And so, well, I guess it's tough to glean, as you, as you said, from that net series. But in Pascal's first game against the Celtics, a 33-point effort, and, you know, it was buoyed, I think, a, a lot from his three-point shooting, and he was still on a tear to start the year. But what do you think about him? Because it seems like the Raptors is their offense. A lot of it thrives from the mismatches that he kind of attributes to from the outset because he is a varied offensive player. He's around 50th percentile in a lot of different uh, plate types. And so you think, okay, this guy can do a lot, but he's not super, super great at any one thing. And it's just about how he chooses to attack then and what's advantageous in the moment. How do you think he matches up against the Celtics? Because for a long time, it looked like they didn't have anyone to guard him. But as his offense has maybe tailed off a little bit, and you know some things have come back down to earth a bit, does it look like it's less advantageous? What do you think about his role in this series? Oh, I'm I'm really excited to see because it, it is it's an, a big question mark for me. You know, has he made the jump or not? And and can he you know be that man that can replace the Kawhi that they missed from last year? Um, you know, that said, you can argue that like Ben Leet has kind of absorbed a lot of that as well and been playing terrific. Uh, but you know, Siakam's going to have to go against you know either Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown. Um, you know, uh, those are the two that are really going to, you know, they can match up, they can really play defense. And so that's going to be the interesting thing. I imagine it's going to be, uh, Jason Tatum, um, and they're going to go at each other and that's probably going to decide a, a, a few of these games. I imagine whoever plays better will, will indicate which team wins. Uh, Jason Tatum is long and he, he's aggressive and he knows how to play defense. He's good with his feet. So that should cause Siakam some problems, but you know these guys are all too good offensively to be held down for longer than you know a, a stretch in the game here and you know across the, uh, here and there. They're, they're going to have their moments in each game where they do well. So I, I'm intrigued uh, right now. I can't. I don't know if I can tell you you know how that's going to play out. Uh, I guess if I had to guess, I, I just think Siakam will probably be up and down. I think he'll have you know games kind of like we saw where he could really light him up, and then he might just sort of you know. Uh, be neutralized for a while, and then the, the uh, rappers are going to have to find somebody else to, to uh, generate offense. Do you think Jason Tatum's better on ball or off ball? Because I've noticed he's a really, really fantastic team defender and almost kind of like Kyle Lowry, 
makes really great step-in rotations to kind of dissuade people from going to the rim. What do you think is the most impressive part of his defense? Yeah, I would probably say off-ball. Positionally, he understands where to be and reads the floor well. And, you know, he gets these long arms for so long, so he can get deflections and steals that way. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's hard to say these days uh, about on-ball defense because everybody gets blown by, right? Everyone is is too good now off a dribble that you really can't expect. Or, and if if they're not dribbling by you like on an ISO, you're going to get screened off and you're going to be chasing no matter what you do, even if that's the correct way, if you're doing it correctly. So it's really hard now when you're trying to talk about on-ball defenders, and that's why I kind of caution. Now, if you want a good example, I will point you to, to uh, Lou Dort over on OKC. I just did a video on him, and there's a rare example of a guy that can't, you know, at this point, Harden doesn't even want to challenge him in the fourth quarter. He's just going to shoot the jumper because he's not getting by him very easily. But uh, as far as Tatum goes, yeah, he, he, you know, on-ball, you know, he, he'll get blown by just like everybody gets blown by um, but yes, I think deflection-wise and activity-wise, he's really good like that on coming over and helping. And as is the entire team for the Celtics, they really do a great job of overloading and really uh, daring you to like skip pass and work the ball around um, and really make sure they don't get a lot of uh, lanes for penetration from the ball. Okay, so before we go over to the Raptors' def- defensive side of the ball, let's talk about Norman Powell and Serge Ibaka, the two huge bench guys because the Raptors haven't really figured out that eighth spot you know it's Matt Thomas at times Terrence Davis at times every once in a while if they need a wing defender Rondé Hollis Jefferson can jump in but Norman Powell he's so good off of the pin downs Serge Ibaka as you said earlier those long mid-range shots he's improved as a short roller both as finisher and passer how do you think they factor into this series because there are a lot of people who think that the Raptors have the better bench and that's a you know a point where they can win but if we're talking about, it's mostly just those two. So how do you think they factor in? Um, I guess it's really just those two. It's Serge and Powell. You're right, because you know, he really cut his rotations, even in those games where they're blowouts. You know, but, but here's the thing. Like, Ron Hallis Jefferson is good, and he's got playoff experience. And he's a guy that can come in and give you a five-minute stretch where he's grabbing rebounds and he can, you know, put backs and that kind of stuff. He can, re- he might actually have an effect. I can have the vision of that happening, you know. And like they weren't expecting that, and boom, he gets ten points really quick. Uh, but you know, Serge Ibaka is one of those guys. It allows him that he can play the five, stretch the floor, um, block shots. He he can become a real X factor for them without question. And so without Gordon Hayward and everybody has to move up in the rotation, you have to say that they have the, the Raptors are deeper uh, than the Celtics. I mean, I'm not really impressed with the Celtics bench. Uh, you know, Wanamaker is 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 fine. He's solid, but he's not the kind of guy who you know. I don't think he's going to be in a situation to win them a game. Um, not like, you know, like, a, let's say like a Lou Williams will could win a, the Clippers a game and he just about did the other game and, and somehow didn't manage to do it. But, oh yes, I remember thanks to Luca. But, uh, so Wanamaker is not that kind of guy. Uh, Cantor is a guy who, you know, he's going to give you a lot of good stuff on the offensive end and then, you know, probably give a lot of it back on the defensive end. Uh, and then the other guys didn't play much. So, you know, Shemi Ojale, you know, he's not, he's never kind of, he's just a utility guy. So I, anyway, to, to answer your question, I, I think for sure the Raptors should have the advantage on the bench. They have more firepower, and they have at least a couple more players that can be uh, uh, effective and, and actually make a, a much more profound effect on the games. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and that you know there are those spurts in the games. I've referred to him as an agent of chaos a lot of different <laughs> times because 
that's how he succeeds, and he's also a very, very affecting one-on-one defender. But we'll swing it over to another very affecting one-on-one defender. OG Ananobi has a lot of prowess. You've referred to him in videos before as partially part of the Raptors' secret weapon. How, how do they get back to the NBA title type of thing? He's smart, athletic, physically imposing, and he's getting better at making reads off ball too. How do you think he'll affect the Boston-Toronto series, this series, especially since Hayward is out and that's who he guarded for most of the games in the regular season? And so we'll likely see him against Brown or Tatum now. Right. Uh, and that's here's what's so interesting about this. Brown and Tatum and Siakam and, and Anunobi, those are the guys who are going to have to guard each other on both sides of the floor. And then they can flip, they can flip. It doesn't matter who's guarding which. So that's really like the probably the most intriguing part of this whole thing, because they are similar in their roles, not necessarily similar as players. So, uh, you know, OG, the corner three, he can, he can, you know, feast there. And I have a feeling that uh, they're going to be able to generate uh, those shots. I think that the Celtics are going to give him that, at least in the beginning, to find out if he's going to make them or not. I would say he probably would. If he gets those open corner threes, he seems to be pretty good at those. Um, and then they don't need him to do much else on the offensive end, an occasional drive, an occasional, you know, attack of a closeout. Uh, but uh, defensively, he, yeah, he's going to have his hands full. He's going to be the guy that's going to have to guard. I would say he's going to be the guy guarding the, their best offensive player in any given uh, possession. Uh, I mean, you know, he, he might even guard Kemba. Is that even a, is that a crazy statement? Well, like, I don't know. I'm sure, as you know, NBA.com, like their matchup statistics are kind of wonky sometimes. Yeah. And Fred and Kemba were pretty straight across the board. Like Fred was Kemba's most, I guess, uh, quantitative defensive matchup this year. And up until last game, the seeding game, he was Kemba shot three of 19 against Fred. So I don't know. I mean, they'll switch anything, right? Because they, they used OG on the the Bam Adebayo and Duncan Robinson dribble handoff sequence in the seeding game against Miami. So they'll throw him anywhere. But I would, as you said, I'd probably expect him to be on one of Brown or Tatum, especially right. if Brown starts popping off off the dribble like he can do every once in a while. Right. And, and also, don't forget, um, you know, with those stats you're referring to as far as matchups in the NBA, they're doing it by they are um, tracking it with motion cameras. But Usually it's right at the very beginning of the possession. So you know what happens is if Brent Van Vliet is guarding uh, Kemba Walker, they're going to set a ball screen. And now all of a sudden he's not guarding Kemba Walker anymore, right? Or he's trailing him or whatever they're doing on their defensive scheme. So it's, it's, you got to use your eyes on those. And so, um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. Stick a pin in that and, and watch Anunobi might end up having to pick up, uh, you know, uh, they might do that um, for Kemba, knowing that if they do set a ball screen, then they'll switch. And that, by the way, could then get um, Fred VanVleet on him. They might not, they'll be okay with that. Um, Fred VanVleet is a really impressive guy all around for me. And so is Anunobi. I, I really like the Raptors team. I, I think they're the, my favorites to win the whole thing as it is now. Um, you know, I got to see if the Lakers have figured some things out and maybe the Clippers, but the Clippers might not get past Mavericks. So um, I, I like I like what Adenobi brings. He's tough. He is almost never out of position. He can actually score down low. Uh, he's, you know, rugged down there as well. So um, he, he'll probably be an X factor as well. I would keep my eye on him um, as far as all the dirty things and little things he does in the background. Not dirty, but, you know, uh, lunch pail things. Uh, that help a team win, uh, he's going to be really instrumental. But again, they're going to tire each other out. Brown and Tatum and Siakam and Anobi are probably going to be exhausted by the end of each game. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, that down low thing. I wrote a, a piece where I looked at every time he, he put the ball down this season and watched all the film, which was a lot, and went into way more post-ups than you might expect. 
and the Raptors will run flex cuts for him every once in a while, and he's been markedly improved in the post and obviously there's some off the dribble flash that he has every once in a while that's fun but the question I asked as far as the Raptors who do they hunt same thing the Celtics versus the Raptors if the Celtics are coming down the floor looking for a bucket and this is something that is a strength of the Raptors is who are you going after who's the person you want to involve in the screen action and where are you trying to get Wow. You know, it's a good question. And I'm, I'm kind of like running through it in my head now. I almost feel like I'm going to say, well, who do you not want to have guarding the, guarding the, the ball screener, for instance? Because remember, whoever's guarding the ball screener ends up being the point man who has to deal with a lot of everything, containing the ball handler until maybe the ball handler's man gets back in position or having to switch outright and then maybe guard an ISO like that. Because, uh, you know, Tatum, would, without question, would want to force a switch and attack an ISO. Like, that's what they were doing. And the, he he made shots that were, I mean, unconscious in this last series. It was crazy. I mean, I feel bad for Philly. They, they already had injuries. They weren't going to win that series no matter what. But uh, Tatum had, I don't know, maybe two or three of these runs where it was just like, are you kidding me? So they're going to want to try and get him more of that stuff. So I would imagine they're going to at least maybe attack by size. So you probably would see some maybe interesting versions of like Tatum getting a screen from Walker um, and then probably vice versa and seeing what they can do. So that what does that mean? That means Tatum would end up having a smaller guy like Lowry or Van Vliet on him. And that probably would be something that the, the Celtics would be really happy with, uh, even though those guys are good and tough and they could take a lot of you know, take charges and make it rough on even bigger players. Uh, you know, uh, Tatum probably wouldn't be bothered much by Fred Van Vliet trying to put a hand up after a move off a dribble and step back for a three. So I would probably end up seeing that that's what they would want to, you know, attack, that kind of thing. You know, Norman Powell, his rep is as a good defender. Am I, is that correct in saying? Um, he, he, it's fallen off. I know he's had like a, that, that reputation you refer to since the, the series against Paul George where he came in as a rookie and he was kind of like he'll chase over the top and he's a lockdown, quote unquote. But his defense has been just from sometimes not very good to just okay. Even though he did have a couple stints in the net series where he was really nice on ball, he's kind of wavered on that end. But it's kind of fine because his offense has accelerated so much. But yeah, not yeah. not an incredible defender. No, I, I that you know I didn't like I haven't studied his defense specifically, but in my my coach's radar is gonna yeah is telling me something about something I've been watching some of those games is showing me that he's. He's maybe focused more on offense these days, but he could probably turn that up. And I think that they challenge him properly. If the coaching staff does, he, he, he'd get into it and really uh, be better. And, and they, they're going to need it because, you know, the Celtics do bring a lot to the table as far as how they're going to attack and create good shots. So anyways, but I, I guess that to answer your question, I think that, that, was that did I make it? Did I answer it properly? Uh, probably looking to get Lowry and Van Lee on Tatum. Yeah, I think that works, especially well, that I was going to ask a question that I guess there's still room for the answer, especially since you're saying they attack by size. I was going to say the Raptors are maybe most impressive as a team defense. They do have really good individual defenders, but the Celtics have had success in the past attacking them through the ISO, like you said. Do you think that's advantageous for the Celtics in the hard-boiled series, or do you think that was just ISO in the regular season? Do you think that was the precursor for something more? Uh, I know. I mean, I, I think the regular season is going to be a pretty good indicator of how they're going to want to do it. And um, as long as it's working, they're going to do it. So, you know, Jason Tatum's going to be able to ISO and, and Kemba Walker are going to be able to create those shots that they, they can normally hit. But, yeah, they're going to definitely want to get into that because, you know, in the playoffs, you want to you know ensure you get the, your best player shooting the ball mo most. And a lot of times the only way to get that to happen is to ISO, is to maybe force a switch, spread, and let them go. Because otherwise, 
you get in a situation where they can double and get the ball in their hands easier. So that's what you have to watch for, too. A lot of the pistol stuff that we see both teams run, a lot of the handoffs into ball screens, it does allow the team, uh, the, the defense, to double quickly and get it out of their hands and try and let anybody else create uh, besides Tatum, for instance, or besides um, you know Lowry. Uh, now, you know, they all have their other versions of the short rolling, You know, both teams that can have success, but a lot of times they're going to at least try that because the other guy's going to, the ball handler is doing too well. So you have to be careful about all that stuff, and that's why the ISO becomes more important, I think, in the playoffs. And maybe lastly, before, if you want to do prediction, you can do a prediction, but that's definitely not mandatory at all. But is there anything else that you like from this series? I know some people just have these random, like let's say you watched a lot of Wanamaker in college or something like that, or maybe you like Terrence Davis. Do you have any other macro things that you like from this series? Well, here's the weird thing for me is like Jalen Brown, I feel like should have a higher ceiling than Jason Tatum. Uh, I, I don't know. For some reason, I like his game better. And there are games when it's very clear, like, wow, he played a lot better than Jason Tatum. And then there are other games where Tatum just, you know, his numbers are just, just dwarf anything Jalen Brown did. And I think that that's also a, a, a challenge for Brad Stevens because he it's hard to get all these guys. And it might even have been a blessing that Hayward went down because it just sort of takes one less issue of like, you know, alpha score out of the equation and they can get a more of a balanced uh, team functioning. But uh, but Jalen Brown to me, I think would be the guy, uh, if he's going to step up and finally, you know, show us his full potential, this would be it. You know, let us, let us see it. And I think that he end up might, might be the X factor for, for the Celtics. Um, And if the Raptors can't handle him, um, then they're going to be in trouble because Tatum could go off and the Raptors could win. But it's when you got like Kemba and Jalen Brown hurting them as well, you know, to the tune of whatever, to the 20 points. That's going to be where it makes it difficult to beat them. So that's what I'd watch for, that that matchup and what Nick Nurse is going to do to try and keep him in check and who they're going to run at him. Because remember, he it's, it's unfair a lot of the time when Jalen Brown is sort of playing a shooting guard role. Um, I know he's only listed at like 6'6". So the hair makes him 6'8 or 6'9", I guess. But, um, oh, wait, wait, does he still have hair? I can't remember now. He but nonetheless, it. He definitely uh, buzzed it. Yeah, he did. All right. But, uh, you know, he, he's 6'6-ish, but he feels taller than that to me, but he generally will post up a lot of times to smaller guards. He certainly has an advantage against Van Vliet and, and Lowry if they get that lineup to match up that way. And that's that could hurt them. He could do that. He could do that well uh, in, a, in a playoff series across, you know, several games. So that would be, a, I mean, it's not a Raptors-focused thing, but I think the Jalen Brown uh, conundrum is what I would be looking at most in the series. No, I'm glad you brought that up. Jalen Brown, I'm a huge fan of his. And I think when he when he's on, he does look markedly better than Jason Tatum. There's this elegance and kind of ease to what Jason Tatum is doing. But when Jalen Brown is on, it's this rapid off-the-dribble creation for his own shot that sometimes is really gobsmacking, jaw-dropping. But I feel like that's as good a place as any to uh, to leave the interview, to to leave this series, and I guess see what happens when they play. But Nick, uh, the floor is yours if you want to shout anything out. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, you know, listen, if you want to go to B-Ball Breakdown on YouTube, um, I'm creating a video every day and just about or every day. That's true. And uh, and uh, it's fun. We're uh, we're over on Twitter as well. B-Ball Breakdown and Instagram. So anywhere you want to find me, I'm pretty easily accessible these days and uh, uh, and open to any questions or any conversation. All right, Nick, thank you very much for coming on, man. My pleasure. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. All right. And thank you, listener, for tuning in, whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.